0: What is up, everyone? This is Scorch the Fears, episode 101. Uh, We are here with Joe Jensen. He is a cool guy. I met him at the Pockets conference. I went on his podcast, and so I wanted him to come on mine. We had a really good conversation on his podcast. Um, And yeah, and I just wanted to introduce him to my audience as well. Um, I think we're going to have a really good conversation. He's an entrepreneur, has his whole own media thing going on. So real quick, Joe, for everyone who's watching right now um quickly give like a quick background into you your entrepreneurial journey and all that good stuff
1: yeah what's up man glad to be here um i mean quick background of me i grew up on the outskirts of civilization on a ranch played in the dirt didn't have a lot of aspirations but i got into door-to-door sales which i ended up doing for a decade and that kind of opened my vision seeing a lot of people work really hard overcome a lot of fear push really hard and achieve a lot of success i leveraged that into building a real estate portfolio that i could become a real estate investor and just live off of that to kind of just design a life of freedom and uh, now i work with the real estate investing school hosting their podcasts and teaching and just kind of uh, helping people do the same
0: i love it so I told you what the first question of this podcast always is, which is if you like, what were your fears when you were starting out? What were you dealing with? What were the issues that you were starting out with just in real estate investing? What was your, let's start there.
1: Just like, what were your fears um, when you, know, you were starting out on your real estate business? It's funny because when I really finally just started going all in on real estate investing, at that point in my life, I actually just felt like I knew I could accomplish whatever I really decided to accomplish. But I wasn't always like that. So if we want to go into the fears, we go back to when I was 24. I'd never really made any money. I was newly married. And I was going out to knock doors in the inner city of Chicago, just going door to door selling um, home security systems. And that, that was where the fear was. And my biggest fear was I'd seen guys be successful at it or I'd heard about it, but there was this phrase, was like, well, that's cool for you, but like that could never be for me. Like I could never do that. I could never learn how to make money. I could never be a good salesman. I could never do that kind of work. There was just so many unknowns and I didn't have a ton of foundation to be like, I'll be good at this. There was just more doubts and unknowns just making it seem like, what this seems impossible because i didn't have any like proof to myself that it would be possible but after years of that and then switching industries and doing this and doing that and doing so many things i i got to the point where i I knew what the formula to success is and if i just applied that whether it was in alarms or selling solar or you know real estate or whatever it is i know if i applied the rules of success i'd learned i would be okay
0: okay gotcha what were, like, so what, so the fears were that you just wouldn't be successful, fear of failure. Um, how did you overcome it? Was it just doing it over and over and over again? Or what, like, did you just go in head first? Or
1: how do you, how yeah. does one
0: overcome that?
1: Good question, man. And so for me, it was like, I was nervous. Like I said, it just didn't seem possible. I just didn't know how. And so it's like, it was fear. But like not fear based on anything solid, like nothing bad was going to happen, you know, if I failed or whatever. But it was just like, it just seemed so out of reach for me. But it was like, okay, well, we'll give it a shot. And it was funny because a lot of times when people do, you know, for door-to-door sales at least, it was like guys would go on these little trips to kind of test it out. And then they would go out for a whole summer and, and go work. For me, my one fear is without it, I'd hate it. And I was sure that I would hate it, and it, but I knew it was a good experience for me. So I didn't go on any of the test trips. I didn't go knock any doors. I didn't try it out at all because I was afraid that if I did try and I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. But I felt like I should do it because I knew it would help me grow and, and progress in life. And so I just went full feet in, like I said, both feet, all in, moved across the country and just started doing it. And to answer your question of how I came got from, like, the fear to the belief that I could actually be successful at it was, one, I looked at those around me, and I surrounded myself with people that were doing it. And I picked their brains. I saw what they were doing. I was like, okay, so, like, it works for him. And if he can do it, then I can do it. I'll just try to emulate whatever he's doing. And then when I had any amount of success I would buy into it. So we back then, you know, this is before the age of digital everything. You know, we were using hard copies and three ring binders and we'd have these uh, like a pink piece of paper that was our copy, a piece of paper. We'd, for other contracts, we'd get signed, right? And we'd have turn one into the office, the customer would keep one and we'd have one. And I would take that piece of paper and I would pin it up on my wall. So then the next day, I'd be able to look at that wall and be like, I got a sale. I was able to do it. And I had this, this proof this evidence to my mind in front of my face every morning. And then when I got another one, I pinned that on the wall, pinned that on the wall. And as as the weeks and the months progressed, I had this whole wall covered in proof every day that it's possible. And I could do it, not just somebody and just slowly built off of that. Um, And that there's a science, but about presenting evidence to the mind to believe that what you're trying to achieve is doable.
0: I love it talk to us about that science a little bit. I mean, I, I've done those things. Like, I mean, I had my first sale. I have the first check I ever received right up here. Um, you're going to, hold on, my camera does this sometimes. Hold on. Is it going to stop? doesn't want to stop. Um, I have my first check right up there. So what is the science of getting over that fear?
1: How do you, how do you scientifically do it? Is that possible or? I mean, I don't know the science behind it, but I've told it's a real thing. You know what I mean? But I know that it works because I applied it. You know, as you present evidence to the mind, it gotcha. shows the mind that it is a real thing. And then you have something to base it off of. Because that's the hardest thing is when, when there's nothing to base the success off, your brain, the neurons just don't really know where to go. They don't know where to fire. So, like, recently, this past summer, I wanted to learn wakeboarding. So I started getting into wakeboarding, you know, you're getting pulled behind a boat at like 20 miles an hour and you jump off of the wake and you come, you go into the air and you come down on the other side of the wake. And I wanted to start learning how to do like flips and back rolls and stuff. And as I would go approach the wake and lift up, my brain literally didn't know how to do it. I've never done flips on any sort of, you know, like snowboard or skateboard. I I don't, I'm not an aerial trick guy. I had no idea how to do it. So my brain literally had nowhere to connect what the next step was. And that's a freaky place right. to be in because your mind goes, Ooh, fear of the unknown. You could die because we don't know what's going to happen. And so it just like, it blocks you. It creates this like, like blank space. Cause it has nowhere to connect. But as I started trying it, there was little, Oh, okay. There there's this piece that can connect and now has something to build off of. And then the neurons can start running and you can add pieces more and more and more and more together. Um, but in that that first step is always the hardest because the brain's like wait i have no idea where to go with this so let's just stay out of danger and not approach it
0: i like it gotcha um so you start with that sales job right that's your first job that you're like really afraid of doing it and Mm -hmm. then what happens what's your journey from there
1: Yeah. So I did that for a long time and it was really good experience. I mean, if you ever want to see what you're made of, go knock doors and get people slamming doors in your face. And, you know, you, you, you get to learn a lot about yourself doing that. Um, But I did that for, for long time. I mean, nine or 10 years. um, And then I was ready to get out of it. And, and then there was, there was a fear because like, well, this is like the only thing I've really been successful at. So is it going to be the same somewhere else and in in the sales industry if people work in the sales industries it can be kind of cutthroat but you know a lot of people be like oh no you'll fail if you leave like you'll fail this is the only place to succeed and they kind of like try to gaslight you into like staying and working for them and things like that it's like you can't succeed other places so you already have that kind of implanted from those around you and again, you go, it's like, well, if I go do something else, my, my brain's like, I don't know how that's going to work because I haven't done that thing. And so the fear can start to set in. It's the unknown that is scary. That, that's what creates fear in people. And, and, and you see that, like, again, against cultures and demographics. Whenever there's, like, an unknown group that we don't understand, it's like that's scary to people because that's how our brains are programmed, right? But as soon as it becomes real and familiar, then it's no longer scary. So anyway, so I went from doing uh, the door-to-door alarm systems. I started selling solar in Hawaii, um, which was awesome. And, but it was a totally different industry, totally different approach. And I wanted to be successful at it, but I knew if I just put the time in and just worked real hard, I could figure it out. And at least I hoped I could. And I was able to do it. I was able to get really good at it. And I was like the top salesman at the company and all this stuff. And it was really cool to be able to see, oh, what I applied here carried over to here. And and so then after doing that for a while, I, uh, I was going through a divorce and I wasn't going to re- run big sales teams. And I was like, what am I going to do to have more control over my own life? And that's where I decided to go all in on real estate. And at this point, when I was going to go all in on real estate, I'm like, dude, I was successful in this realm. I was successful in this realm. I know at this point now, if I just apply the same rules of like the focus, the determination, the hard work, just learning the ins and outs and learning the science behind it, getting the education necessary, and then getting the experience under my belt, the reps of just doing it again and again and again, getting those that, that evidence to the mind, right, that I can present to go, oh, see, I did it here. I did it here. I did it here. I knew if I could get enough reps in. Then I would be okay. And that's what I did when I approached real estate. I was like, I started real small. I wanted to be able to go through as many transactions as I could. And I wasn't worried about making a ton of money off of every single one. My goal was to go through multiple transactions from putting an offer in, getting it closed, getting funded the whole nine yards. And if I could do that, you know, four, five, six, ten times, even on like less profitable, cheaper stuff. But now I have the experience under my belt that I could go tackle bigger ones and I I now know what I'm doing. Um, Even if I could have maybe made the same amount of money doing two or three bigger ones, but I wouldn't have had the same experience and same evidence to my mind, creating those neural pathways to show that, yeah, this is normal. This is no big deal. You can be successful at this.
0: I love it. I love it a lot. So then... um, the fears of the unknown. I heard you say that earlier in, and in, in your answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And then, what is your advice to someone who's getting shut down by that fear, like not even able to take that first step to just make the unknown known? Because I think that's the biggest issue that people have with that one. Do you have any mm-hmm. advice for that
1: person? Yeah. So I now, mean, if we dive into that, we kind of got to back up into like your actual relationship with fear. And when I say like a relationship with fear, it's like, if you think of any kind of relationship, it's like, how do you think about that? We'll say person. And how does that person interact with you? And how do they think about you? And what is your interactions together? That's your relationship, right? And so you can say, what's my relationship with fear? When I hear about fear, when I think about fear, what is it to me? Is it this big evil demon that's going to kill me? Or could it be my friend that's there to protect me? And so when you look at your relationship with fear, that's the first step to going to go into the unknown. And, and that I've learned over the years that fear is my friend. It's there to protect me. Now, it, it might be an ignorant friend, but it has my best interest in mind. And so when I get afraid, when I feel fear, I no longer look at it as a boogeyman that's going to take me out, but more as a friend saying, hey, are like be careful, watch out. Like this could be dangerous. So and then the, the cool thing with fear, like biologically, it actually creates like a hyper focus if you can leverage it right to be able to make sure that you're okay. So I like rock climbing, right. And, and there's this point at rock climbing where you get to the top of the route. So you're, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 60, 80 feet in the air or whatever. And up on this mountain, And there's a thing called cleaning the chains where you actually have to lock in and then you redo the rope and that you're connected to that's, you know, your lifeline, you actually have to redo the knots and reconnect it and then come down off the chains. And it's the scariest part for me because you have to like, you're redoing your lifeline. If you mess it up, you die. And the fear would always get like real heavy right then. But it's good fear. It's like your friend saying like, dude, don't screw this up. Now, if you think it's a, a monster yelling at you, you're just like, you freeze and you freak out and then you do screw it up, right? But if you go, oh, this feeling is my friend, it's telling me to be smart, be careful, have my eyes wide open, do this accurately and be hyper-focused, don't worry about anything else because this is my life on the line. And and when you can approach it that way and see it as a friend as opposed to a foe, then you can listen to it and, and be careful and be smart, but it doesn't have to make you freeze or run away.
0: That's super interesting. Idea making your negative emotions as friends, like
1: literally thinking and again, it I wouldn't even friend. say it's a negative emotion, it's a powerful emotion. But that's the thing. Most mm-hmm. people think fear negative emotion. I go, no, 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 fear, powerful emotion that's gonna keep me alive because it's got my back. Do you feel
0: that way about other emotions as well? Other ones we neg- no- normally think as negative like let's say, I don't know, jealousy or like um, sadness or anything like that. I'm curious if you have that perspective with other emotions as well. Or is it just You know,
1: I think I really do. I don't really look at – like I heard this phrase I really like said, like all feelings were meant to be felt, (laughs) right? So I – and I study a lot of Stoicism. I don't know if you've studied the ancient Greek philosophy of Stoicism, but it's very like a pragmatic approach to life. It's not a religion or really a value system. It's just like – This is a pragmatic approach to how to live. And it's like, hey, if you're having these emotions, they are what they are. How can that play into designing a better life for you? And you can dig in and just be like, okay, if I'm sad, don't be depressed and dwell in the sadness. Go, okay, why am I sad? What does this mean? What can I do about it? And you can get very pragmatic about it, um, which is definitely a, a stoic philosophy, but it's not. People hear the word stoic and they think it means like hard face, like. I don't feel emotions. It's actually the opposite. If you study what Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus and these guys actually taught, they were all about truly feeling that emotion, letting it come in, but but processing it and using it, not letting it take control. So yeah, whether it's sadness or jealousy or, or fear or whatever it is, it's like, cool, there's a reason that I'm feeling this. How can I see what the the, the safety net here, the reason I'm feeling that, And is it, is it justified? And should I listen to it? And how can I safeguard? You know, a lot of times the, the jealousy that we can talk about that one for many, jealousy, you know, can literally just be like an ego thing of the, the monkey mind wanting to make sure that no one else touches their thing so they can procreate and carry on their life. Ooh, the monkey man, you know, and it's like, if you acknowledge, okay. Is Do I need to feel that? No. Like, I'll be okay. I'm safe. I'm not living as a monkey in a tribe somewhere, you know. I don't need to give into this jealousy thing. And then you can tweak it, you know. So you can acknowledge the emotion and appreciate it, not saying it's bad or good, just whatever it is, leverage whatever it is.
0: I love it. I, I totally agree. I mean, I use it, I use negative emotions a lot to motivate me right? The yeah. ones we consider usually negative, man, this mm-hmm. is going to kill me. Usually my camera, there we go. So, uh, I use them a lot. Like I use competition. Like je- you could say it's jealousy if someone's beating me at something, right? Sure. In a way. And I'm using that to motivate myself in order to do something. I've always talked I've always had this idea of the of like demons. You should put your, your fears. You could say about any emotion, your demons behind you, not in front of you that's how mm. i think of it as like your fear should be chasing you that pushes you forward instead of them being right in front of you as a roadblock right when you're able to make it where like let's say you're afraid of losing money well think about how much money you're losing by not doing the business or by not doing that deal right in the end that's what it is so Anyways, I just wanted to, that was like my opinion, what you're saying. I, I totally agree. I have read some yeah. stuff about the, I read, I read meditations. That's the one book I read the, from Marcus. Um, but I don't know any of the other ones. But um, so let's go back real quick into just your journey. So you'd get over the sales job, then you're in real estate. How did you even hear about real estate or where did you, where did you, where was your starting point in real estate?
1: Yeah. So this actually goes back to before I was even in sales and my dad had dabbled in real estate. He was kind of an entrepreneur. He had his own little like business, but he would, he would buy some real estate. Now he never got like deep into what I call like the science behind it and truly understood the full impact of it. Um, And the biggest thing he missed was the power of leveraging debt. Um, So he was very against debt in any way, shape or form. And so he kind of missed a whole incredible powerful tool um that can be used with real estate very safely if you do it right so anyway but he but he did dabble in real estate and so i saw that i was like oh that's really cool like that's that seems like a powerful thing um i'd seen it you know kind of give him some financial freedom and stability and and so when i was 24 i uh i got my first place now my dad um he would actually help each of the kids get in their first place you know you know, it was a couple thousand bucks to, Hey, help you get going. Right. So not really like a trust fund baby, but definitely very fortunate to be able to have, you know, some with a couple thousand dollars to help me get started. Um, and, and so instead of buying a place that I could go live in, which is what my siblings did, I said, Hey, I want to get an investment property and I didn't know anything about how to vet out a good one or this or that. But I just, at that point I was like, dude, I'm already 24. I, I, and I felt like I was kind of late in the game, and I was like, I don't even care. I'm just gonna buy something because if I don't get in now, I'll probably never get in. And so we just literally just found a townhome for sale right down the street, and we bought it. You know, it was the most uncalculated, um, like ignorant decision. We just kind of jumped into it, and and I got that. But that was my start. And then I just rented it out and started making cash flow. And so then I started doing that. Hey, I'm gonna do that every year, and I did it for the first two or three years, but then I started getting distracted by how much money I was making in sales. And, and I was like, oh, well, that's way more than this real estate thing. Who cares? And then I stopped buying, which is like, obviously my biggest regret um, is, uh, is I stopped buying properties, got distracted, making all this money and then come around seeing inflation or appreciation and just seeing the markets go up and up and up over the years, you know, seven years later. And I hadn't bought anything. I was like, oh man, if I bought anything it would have doubled like that's where the real wealth is created so i kind of saw that i missed the boat a little bit so then when i was pivoting away from sales i'm like i'm gonna go all in on real estate this time get as much as i possibly can over the next decade and and this time i'm not going to regret it when when things go up and i caught the tail end right before covid popped and got a couple things and i just have been buying even since then um but, uh, but yeah, I just, just, just told myself I'm not going to miss it again. Even if, uh, even if it's not a huge jump, whatever it is, I'm going to go all in.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. So I'm curious too, like, why didn't you, what made you want to invest? I know you saw your, your dad had invested before. Was that the only reason you saw your, you saw your, uh, your family. Also, where are you from?
1: I'm curious. So I'm from Utah. hmm and that's okay. where my family. So it lives, was it Salt Lake City. Um, you know, south of Salt Lake City, I grew up on a ranch. You know, okay. probably three or four hours from there, and then I lived in Provo, okay. was like forty-five minutes from there. But yeah. So
0: something that I'm curious about is like, yeah, why, why, why didn't you follow your siblings? You saw what your siblings had done, and then was it just that your dad had bought investments before, or how? Like, how did you decide?
1: Yeah, you know, and for me, it really was about freedom so that's like always been my theme is having freedom to be able to like live the life i want to live not have anybody i'm not good with bosses or being told what to do you know i like to be able to design my own life and i saw my dad do that um and so i was like i i want to have that same kind of freedom i don't want to be tied to a job that i hate i don't want to be tied to doing things i don't want to do i want to have the ability to kind of be in control of my own life and, uh, and so that, that was really the, the heart of it from literally the first door um, to even more so, you know, when I decided to go all in, you know, almost a decade later, it was always about building that life of freedom and designing my life. And so like FRDM, freedom is like been my uh, like my logo, it's my LLC, it's, it's, it's kind of been my brand and my theme. The, my entire journey, um, but it's really about designing that life of freedom where I can be in control of my hours and my days. And you know, I have two kids. I've got a five and a six-year-old, and that became really, really evident when, you know, when I was going through a divorce. I'm like, I want to be able to be there for these kids, and I want to be able to spend time with them while they're young, and not have to be doing some. Grinding job that I hate and miss out on their childhood. I've heard so many horror stories, and people always look back like, "Oh, you know, I was working so hard, I missed my kids' childhood." And I'm like, "I want to be in control of my life, not have that have to happen." So yeah, freedom and designing my life intentionally. I love it. So how?
0: What? So you buy a bunch of properties right at the beginning of COVID. Um, have you just always been a buy and hold person? Have you done any other types of investing strategies? or just No, That
1: that's really been it. I've always just been buy and hold cash flow, like kind of landlording style. You know, I unfortunately did sell some along the way because it was like, oh, you know, I could either spend $10,000 pouring into fixing roofs and driveways of this property, or I could just sell it and make $70,000. And at the time, as a young kid, I'm like, well, that's cool. I can make $70,000 doing nothing, you know? Now looking back, I'm like that was dumb. I should have just found the ten thousand, done the repairs, and kept it, and you know made hundreds of thousands yeah. in, in here's in here's my and thing, you know. But
0: here's my thing that I've that I've had the the one thing about owning single family rentals. I own a few. I own like three. Um, I feel like people have this vision of living off cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the main reasons you probably didn't just put in the $10,000 is like a lot of times things cash flow, but they all the cash flow ends up going into maintenance almost always. Sure. Every $300 payment after a while, like you got to put in 10 k for whatever the hell, roof, paint, whatever it is to get it rented out again. And so I see real estate as it's great for tax benefits and it's also great for, um, long-term appreciation but what do you think of that like that's the thing that i've always had an issue with is like i don't think i'll ever be able to live off cash flows at least from single families maybe multi-families because you have that economy of scale but what do you think of that like do you agree with that do you disagree like i'm just curious because this is the one thing that i sometimes not butt heads, but like disagree with buy and hold mm-hmm. people on sure. so that i feel like for buy and hold to be worth it you have to be making
1: a lot of active income how do you feel about that So there's three ways you make money with real estate, right? So there's equity increase, there's cash flow, and there's tax benefits, right? And so, so you talk about it, and depending on where you're at with your journey and what your goals are, one of those three might become a way bigger focus, right? You know, and so you know, I know like when guys are killing it, bringing in millions of dollars, they have all this, you know, maybe from real estate or maybe an outside active income, they've got. You know, too much money to know what to do with the tax burden becomes a real, real concern. That's their highest expense. That's their number one expense, and so a lot of guys get very, very focused on the tax savings of real estate because that will eliminate their biggest expense of taxes. Um, but you know, and then the appreciation is is huge. So I call it equity increase. And the reason I said equity increase is that could be. Through, you know, doing like a flip, you can increase the equity, you know, manually, you can increase the equity through appreciation. There's the principal pay down as the mortgage is being paid off, that increases your equity. And so that's where like real wealth can be grown, right? So the taxes is eliminating exp- your biggest expense. The true wealth is grown through appreciation. You know, when you own these assets and they double in value and you can tap into that value through debt and still retain the asset, like that's where, The true wealth is grown. Um, And then the cash flow, I say, you know, cash flow won't make you rich, but it can set you free. And I know, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you can't live off of cash flow. But it's like, you you can. Um, It just, you either got to live a little lower or just have have a lot of properties. Um, But you you can absolutely live off the cash flow. Um, I do it. I know a lot of people that do it. And it's it's a huge motivator for a lot of people. But again, it's also not motivating for a lot of people. If you have a good active income, the cash flow is not that big of a deal. But if you know if a couple thousand mm-hmm. will replace your income and you can just go have the bandwidth to do whatever you want now, whether that's build greater wealth through other things or travel or be with your kids or whatever, it's it's a hundred percent a reality that many, many people are living every single day. But you just got to look at what your goals are and what aligns with you at this moment in time. And that might shift your your investment strategy based on what you're trying to accomplish.
0: I gotcha. So you you have always been, or you at least recently, I don't know when you started, have been focused super much on education, educating people on real estate. You have your education company. I want to know like what inspired you to do that or what inspired you to get into that and start all the cool education stuff you've been doing?
1: Yeah, so I'll say two things with that. So one I'd say is um, you know, there's this phrase we've all heard, you know, high risk, high reward, right? So I would submit that that is a loser's mentality. That is a poor mindset. Um, when I say poor, I mean like a poor person mindset and that high risk, high reward. If you look at the ultra wealthy They actually have asymmetrical investments, meaning the upside, meaning asymmetrical means it's not equal, right? So the upside is very, very high, but the downside is capped. You're not going to lose too much. That is a true investment if you can have a high upside with a very capped downside, Okay, so as opposed to high risk, high reward, look at what I say, high vetting, high education, understand the economy, understand the market you're in, understand the deal you're doing. Make sure it's asymmetrical where it has a very high potential upside and a capped bottom side so you can't get hurt too much. And that is how to invest. So for me, you you know, the question was, why is education so important? Because I think if you truly understand it, you understand the science behind it then you can cap your bottom and cap the downside and, and protect yourself. I'm very risk adverse. I don't do risky stuff with my money or with my time. Um, and I know I'm talking about, you know, climbing mountains and doing all these different like extreme sports. But I, even then there, if you, if you know what you're doing, it's actually very, very safe. Cause you're in control of it. You know, I was talking to a friend, you know, walking, driving down the freeway, is actually a lot more dangerous than rock climbing or skydiving because there's all these uncontrollable variables of ignorant people that could just take you out and kill you at any moment, right? But when I'm rock climbing, like, there's a couple variables. Most of them are in my control, and I can vet out the conditions and do it or not, right? And so I think the same thing with real estate. I can get a purchase, a place under contract, I can have it inspected, I can have it appraised, I can do all this due diligence, make sure I know exactly what my purchase price is, know what the rental income will be, everything before I even buy the thing. And I can back out if it's not equaling up the way I want. So I have a lot of control um, on what I'm doing before I get into it. And as far as sharing that, so I actually didn't start the company. My buddy, Brody Fawcett, started the real estate investing school, and he asked me to come along and, and help do some of the coaching and run the podcast and things like that. And, and for me, it was just cool because I love real estate. I have a passion for it, and it's always fun to share things that you're good at and that you know is life-changing. And so it was just cool to kind of be part of the team and share that with, with new people um, with him. Love
0: it. So, like, what was the story? So we came up to you and you guys are like, Look, education, this is the way of how we help other human beings. What like actually, really, my question is, what was your motivation behind doing the education company? Obviously, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing
1: for other people. What it's what funny. Was, what like inspired you? Well, it's funny because it started out with people just kept asking, you know, like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? People knew that Brody was doing real estate, you know, and they're just like, well, well, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? You know? And so many people were asking how to do it. You know, he just like, well, put put together a little program that he could just sell and say, Hey, here's a booklet and some videos. Like this is what I'm doing, you know? And then people were like, but I want more help. Like how does that apply to me? And they needed one-on-one help. And it was like, okay, well, I think there's a business here. If this many people want to know about this and they're wanting to pay for it and they want one-on-one customization help. You know, the, he obviously, you know, no one person has the bandwidth to do that for everybody that was reaching out to him. And so that's when he's like, well, we'll bring in extra coaches and put the whole company around it where we can actually have the bandwidth to help people one-on-one customize to their personal situations and their goals and their timelines and their resources to develop something to help them achieve it. So it really just, you know, the need was thrown at us as people just wanted to know about it. um, And then it just kind of developed from there. What has been like the most rewarding thing about having an education
0: company? Like, I mean, I educate people through my YouTube lives and podcasts and stuff like that, but like um, what's been, what's been the coolest thing about having an
1: education company? Like what's been, I mean, what's it's just so rad to it? be a, a part of someone's journey. You know what I mean? Like, you see someone, honestly. So, one of my favorite things in the world, and this goes back to fear, is seeing someone overcome fear. Like, and I love that. I love seeing that. And everybody's fear is different. And so, I don't know if you've ever heard of James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, but he's this crazy endurance athlete. He did, um, you know, 50 Ironman distance triathlons, you know, where you you swim two miles, you run a marathon, you ride a bicycle 112 miles, like this real crazy. And he did one of those every single day for 50 days in 50 states. And, and then he wanted a top and he did one every single day in a row in Utah for a hundred days in a row, you know, just ridiculous stuff. But one thing he said, he said, everybody's heart is different. He's like, this is my heart because this is how, where he's put himself. But someone else, their heart might be running a 5k. And he talked about his mom, showing up the last day and running a 5k and she'd never done that before and that was her heart and i think the same thing it comes to fear so i was just in moab doing this 400 foot cliff that you jump off of with this rope tied to you and you free fall for 200 feet and then you're swinging above a 200 feet above the ground um, next to these 400 foot cliffs and, and it was exciting to me, right? And I got a, I was doing this like double flip off of it. And it was kind of scary to get myself to actually like flip off of it. And I was like, okay, I got to do this. And, and I got myself to do it. And then seeing someone else do it and they were like scared. They didn't want to jump at all. And, and then they overcome the fear and they do it. And I love seeing someone overcome fear. And even though everybody's fear is different, I might just be having the time of my life and it's a little nervous and someone else are almost in tears and they almost have to get thrown off the thing because they're too scared to do it themselves. But when you see someone overcome fear, it, it lights something up in their mind where they become empowered. They're like, oh my gosh, this thing that controlled me, that stopped me, it, it's not real I'm in control and I'm not stopped and it, it makes you more powerful and it builds this confidence and this excitement in you that you're like I can do hard things I can overcome and you know and you you, you may take a million times like those you know those, those sales on my wall you know first I had one pin and then another and then once I had hundreds on the wall I was like wow I, I'm really good at this it's the same thing with fear you overcome one little fear and then another fear another fear and then you're like dude I can overcome anything. And, and it's the same thing with real estate. A lot of times when people come in, they're just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know how to do it. I'm nervous. And you show them the steps. You, you vet it out so that it's not risky. And, and then they pull the trigger. And and before you know it, their, their life's starting to change. And it's cool to see their life change. But it's really cool to see their mindset change to know that they now have the confidence to just go out and tackle life and design it the way they want as opposed to being, you know persuaded to live a life that the world is forcing them into and they start to take control Dilusia? yeah I can't hear you now. I lost you there for a minute, and now I can't hear you, but I can see you again. Hello, Hello.
0: there Here we go. I can see and hear you now sorry, guys i my internet I don't know what is up with it. I need to completely I'm gonna disconnect it and reconnect it right after this, but I'm sorry for the for you, Joe, on this one. Um, I think it kept recording.
1: From what I see, might be able to
0: edit it for people watching. But um, in terms of in terms of uh, your, you were talking about how to go over or how inspiring it is to have people be part of people's journeys. Mm -hmm. Um, What does I'm curious, like because I think people like I think it's amazing and it's really cool to also be part of people's journeys as well. That's like the spiritual side of it i think people mm-hmm. forget too that like if you have the ability to educate people you have an obligation to do so this is what i think in my head if you can help someone make 10 20 30 40 fifty thousand extra every single year every single month you need to be doing it because otherwise you're actively hurting them by not helping them learn right This is what my mentor, Pace Morby, told me. And that's what inspired me to start doing this podcast, start doing stuff like the educational stuff like this, right? Um, So, and also it comes back to you, right? It comes back to you in deals. It comes back to you in everything. So real quick, I just want you to talk about too, like how has it helped you personally? How has it helped your business also?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I I believe, you know, like you said, that there's, a lot of times what we put out there comes back and is beneficial to us as well. Um, you know, I've been able to do deals with students and help them get into deals. We'll do partner deals together. I've been able to just meet a lot of cool people and be inspired and have awesome experiences. And so on a personal scale, on a business scale, Yeah you know, it's all fed back. Um, and even just working with the the school, you know, so I love working with real estate investment school with Brody Fawcett and the other coaches. And, you know, I got to go to Bigger Pockets and that's where I met you. And so like just the networking and the opportunities and the experiences and the, the deals and friendships, you know, it all just, the more you're doing, my whole theme for 2023 has been that action leads to opportunity. And so the more action you're taking, the more people that you're influencing in your life, Um, and you interact with, even if you're not like an influencer, I don't mean like that, but just the more people you interact with, the more opportunities there's going to be for cool experiences in your life. So yeah, it all comes back around. I love it. So go back more into how'd you even meet your business partner for the
0: education school? How has it grown? What, what does it, what's included in the education now? And what do you get? Like, let's say if I wanted to be a student or if somebody watching wanted to be a student.
1: Yeah, for sure. So we were actually both in the door-to-door sales world. So we had known each other from that world a little bit. We'd never worked directly with each other, but we knew of each other. And I actually had a little podcast called the Not-So-Average Joe Podcast. And I invited Brody Fawcett and Andrea Fawcett, his wife, to be on the podcast because they had just done this big ultra, like it's like 240 miles or something, this this big ultra race, the grand-to-grand where they go from like the Grand Canyon to the Grand Staircase in Utah or something like that. I don't know, but it's just this crazy, you know, uh, feat of of endurance. And I interviewed them talking about it. Crazy story. You guys should go check it out. But like, they find out during the race that his wife's pregnant, and she still finishes, and just pretty epic stuff. So anyway, I had them on my podcast about that, and then and this just goes to lead to like action leads to opportunity, right? So. I met them, did that. And then, I mean, a year or two later, he started seeing what I was doing with real estate and he was just starting this school. And he was like, dude, hey, like, can you come like be a part of this? And I told him, no, (laughs) I was like, no, dude, I'm building my own stuff. I'm not interested in working for anybody's stuff, but my own. And and then he waited a little while and he came back. Hey, can you come be a coach? Can you come help with this? And, And I was like, no, I'm not interested. And so finally, the third time I was like, all right, you know, I'll do it. It could be a cool experience, and I'm super glad I have because it, it's been a rad experience being able to just work with him and see what he's doing and meet so many people. Um, and so, but at first, I I was resistant to it just because I was so focused on building my own asset portfolio because I was like, my life goal is just you know kind of build that out so I could live off of it, um, which is a hard thing most people don't do. Um, I'm, but uh, but I was super focused on that. But eventually, I I gave in, and I'm glad I did. I love it. Cool. So then you give in,
0: uh, you find out the joys of coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what is your so what do you like, let's say somebody was to sign up? What did they learn about uh, buy and holds? Would they learn about everything? Or like, how does the program work?
1: Yeah, so and I don't run every detail of it, you know, but the Mm. cool thing with the school is it's it is customizable. That's kind of like, I'd say like the unique Offering that a lot don't offer is it's one-on-one coaching, so you personally will have your own personal coach, and they get to walk you through what your goals are. So we have coaches that teach short-term rentals, teaches coaches that teach flips and rehabs, coaches that teach long hold. So we can kind of just assign someone to where they would best fit to achieve their goal, and then that coach will work with them one-on-one every month and figure out, you know, their resources and their timelines and how the best for them personally to achieve their specific goal. Um, and that's kind of the, the cool thing because there's lots of books out there. There's lots of podcasts, lots of, you know, group training stuff. Um, and we have group trainings every month and guest speakers and live trainings and all this stuff. But there, you know, there's, you know, all these resources, there's tons of stuff the school has um on top of it but having a one-on-one coach to work with you just accountability wise and customization wise can be really powerful and people have really liked that
0: love it so it's a one you get a one-on-one coach so like is a coach assigned to
1: you every single student has their own one-on-one coach that they meet with just the two of them they can just dive into their specific stuff which which is cool and unique and then again the almost every week there's something that we have like a school-wide training every week. We have guest speakers, er or every month. We have guest speakers every month. We have the podcast. We have, you know, manuals and PDFs and all the resources and all that stuff. So we've got, and then each coach has like what they call a little pod. So like all the students that I one-on-one coach, we also meet together every month just as our little group. And then the whole school meets together every month and we have guest speakers every month. So there's like lots of layers to it. Um, But yeah, each person has a one-on-one every single month where they can just dive into every detail with their specific coach.
0: I love it. So then can you talk about the benefits of one-on-one coaching? That's really interesting. I never had a one-on-one coach until way later, and it was a business coach. So talk to people like, why should you have a one-on-one coach versus maybe like a mentorship Or maybe any other type of program. Like, did you ever have any one-on-one coaches? Like when you were just starting out or anything? You had your dad, but I'm curious. Like, what are the benefits of one-on-one coaching? Did you ever have any? Like, and how did it help you and all that?
1: Yeah, no, that that's great. So, uh, my dad was definitely a a huge influence for me, and I was able to pick his brain about a lot of stuff to kind of get started. But the the cool thing with one-on-one coaching is it can be more of what you need. So everybody's you different. Some some people are very much self-starters, self-learners, self-motivated. And some people aren't, right? They need a little bit of more of an accountability partner to just push them and hold them accountable and get them to do what they say. And like, okay, yeah, coach, I'll do what you say. You know, like they're, they're showing up for their soccer practice and they need someone to tell them what to do. Um, and so it's depending on what you need is kind of what it'll deliver. Um, and one thing that I really like is, and this is what I say, I'm like, look, you know, you can you can learn podcasts, you can learn from books, you can learn from seminars. But one thing you can't do is ask specific questions for your situation, and you can't do custom strategy on a, on a group thing, right? But when you have your one on one coach, we can dive into your deal in Wisconsin that you're looking at and run the numbers and figure out if it's good or bad, and look at your portfolio and your income and go, okay, it's so customizable, and you can ask clarifying questions that apply just to you. Which you can't do to a podcast you know you can't do to a book um you just take what they have but this can be very very specifically customized um and so between that and and the the motivation accountability and, and everything like that it can be super powerful
0: i love it and then so okay so i really really like it um when do you feel like someone should get a coach or get or join a mentorship or start getting educated on real estate? Like, I, should they first try to do YouTube University? Maybe they don't have any money. Like, when is the right time to get a coach or join an education program? You know, I
1: think it's personal for every single person. I think it's different. You know what I mean? Like, if uh, I, I think the the most, you know, the best answer that would be all inclusive is when you're ready to, to do it, like when you're ready to take. Their advice and apply it. Like if you're serious about it, because if you're going to just do it to be able to hopefully give someone some money so you don't have to do the hard work, like it's probably not going to work. But if you're like, I'm going to make this work one way or another and you're like all in that's when you're going to get the most out of any sort of coaching program, whether it's group or, or an online course or a one-on-one coach, like when you have decided and made the decision, that you're going to go all in that's when you're going to get the most out of it. Um, compared to any other time. But if you're yeah, trying to right. use it as a crutch and just be like, Hey, I want it to do the work for me. So I'll buy this book or I'll take this course. Or I'll hire this coach because you don't want to do the work. It's like that, that you're just going to spend a lot of money <laughs> for, for not a lot of results.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So just as soon as you're ready to commit. So like, if you just have that drive in you just immediately get a coach.
1: Yeah. It depends on who you are, right? If you're, if you know you're not a good self learner and you're not good self motivator and you're not good at structure, you know, you might need a coach like sooner, right? But who's somebody who's like this hardcore, heavy, you know, self-motivated self learning, they could dive in and learn a shit a ton just on their own. And so maybe they do that first and then they dive into a coach when they just want like a strategy partner to know how to, really do some major moves you know and so it kind of depends on the person and and what they're trying to accomplish and 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 their resources you know and things like that um i you know it 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 does to kind of depend on on the person of when it's going to be the right time um but regardless of all those it's it's when they're going to be serious about it and, and make the most of it you know i've always said like perfect adherence to like an a mediocre goal is better than mediocre adherence to a perfect goal and so if someone's just going to mediocrely try it doesn't matter how good their ideals are if they're not going all in but if you just get like any random workout program or any random coaching program but you're all freaking in you're gonna get more out of it than most people you know
0: no 100 that makes sense right um what do you feel like is the difference between those who are successful and those who aren't in real estate? What makes the difference between the two? If
1: I had to say one word, the word that just came to my mind is clarity. If you okay. have clarity of what you're trying to accomplish, it's amazing how all the pieces will align themselves to accomplish it. But if it's vague and you're not really sure about I want to make some money or I want to get ahead, or I want if it's vague, the universe doesn't respond to vague. It, it, it doesn't, but it will respond amazingly well and quickly to clarity. I like
0: it. What are your cor- current goals right now? Where are you buying properties? I'm um, going to I'm gonna I get eventually to plugging stuff, but I'm also curious just what are your real estate goals? Like where are yeah. you buying properties and doing that?
1: You know, per personally, right now my real estate goals are to – Slowly grow my portfolio while spending a lot of time with my kids. They're five and six. Any minute now, they'll both be, you know, I got a bum boy who's still in preschool. You know, soon they're going to be in school all the time and not even want to hang out with dad. Right now, they still like me. They think I'm cool. And I want to spend as much time with them as I can, as much time as I enjoy. I also like pursuing my hobbies. And so, my first real estate goal was to just hit the cash flow number I needed to not be tied down and be able to do whatever I want with my time. And now I'm trying to actually take advantage of that, you know, while slowly still growing it, you know, on the side, working, you know, a couple hours here and there, but nothing very aggressive right now. Um, then the next phase will be to double my cash flow portfolio so that I'll be able to be much, much more comfortable. And then the phase step after that, I want to get into bigger exits um, with, you know, maybe multifamily stuff um, where I'm doing, uh, you know, raising the NOI, changing the cap rate and getting a nice, you know, windfall at the end. Um, So, you know, I have a multi-phase strategy that I've been looking at for years and I'm just kind of focusing on where I'm at and enjoying it now until I move in that next phase when my kids are a little older.
0: I love it. So then, um, so yeah, so we're starting to get to the end of the interview, but, and I have one question that I'm always asked at the very end, which is if you were able to go back to Joe right at the very beginning, maybe it was right when you were starting that sales job, maybe it was right when you were getting to real estate, what would you Mm -hmm. tell that Joe then knowing everything that you know now?
1: Hmm. I would say your number one fiscal responsibility is to build your asset portfolio. Build that, own your assets, own your future because anything else, you're just building someone else's dream. I
0: love that. That's a, That was a beautiful way to say it. Um, do you have any book recommendations?
1: What are your favorite books that people should oh, read? Oh man, there's uh, like real estate related or just in general? Anything, just anything. Oh, man. You know, so it's funny because when it comes to books, I feel like a lot of it is just the timing of your life and mindset when you read True. that book. So I agree with A couple that were impactful to me, though, they were pivotal. Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Love I, that one. I'm rereading that one right now. That one's a class. I mean, it was pivotal for me when I was younger. Big, big one. How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is a horrible That's title. Nice. It sounds manipulative and weird. The title should be like How to Interact with humans effectively that's what how to win friends and influence people should be called it's just truly how to interact effectively um and get more done so anyway that's a great one that was pivotal another one is the compound effect by darren hardy that one Mm -hmm. atomic habits is kind of the same thing i read compound effect first and i fell in love with it and then uh, atomic habits came out and the the Slight Edge, I think, is another one that's very similar. And people love those ones. But I mean, Atomic Habits is awesome. But for me, at the timing, it was more impactful, the compound effect. Um, those are three books that were lights out. And then obviously, the classic Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow yeah. Quadrants. I know they're over, like everybody says that. But like, there's a reason. It's the heart and soul. It's the spirit behind it for a lot of people. And it's it's changed probably more lives in real estate than any other book.
0: I agree um, so uh, my man where can people reach you where can people join the education program how should how do you want people to interact with you what do you want them to bring you what value do you want them to bring you my my I try to create a community of go-givers who watch this type of stuff all my content sure. what do you need what
1: do you what where can people reach out to you and what do you need yeah, man, the easiest way is just go to my website. It's just www.josephfjensen, so J-O-S-E-P-H, F is in freedom, Jensen, J-E-N-S-E-N, josephfjensen.com. And that's my link tree. It's got connections to all my social media and the podcasts and everything like that. Um, realestateinvestingschool.com uh, if people want to check out the school. Um, but uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. And then yeah, just What's join my life. Add me, follow me, comment, DM, reach out, and uh, you know, let's let's interact. Like I said, action leads to opportunity. The more interactions you have, the more opportunities you're gonna have. So what was the uh uh real estate investing it? school .com. Cool.
0: Cool. Yeah, okay, real cool. estate investing school. Oh, yeah, cool, cool, there man. We go. Well, do yeah. you have any last words before I start wrapping this up?
1: No, man, this is awesome. I, I just appreciate you, you know, having me on and I appreciate you being on the the school's podcast and, you know, these things are fun. I love that we live in a world where we can do this. I think podcast is the coolest media. Platform. I would
0: also love to come on and teach a class on maybe some creative financing or something in your school if you want something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, we'd love that. And like, say, too. we have a guest speaker every month. We should get you lined up for that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be fun.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, man. You've been amazing. Guys, my last day of my live, my challenge that I'm doing right now is tomorrow. This is the last day. Show up. Just go to www.johnacorchin.com slash acquisitionsweek if you want to see how to how to run a really successful wholesaling business. It's the last day I'm doing it. Uh, you, It is not live on YouTube. You only get it if you sign up, and then you get all the Zooms for free. But you have to sign up so sign up here i just want you to know it's the last day tomorrow and then uh and then yeah and then it'll be cash flow and coffee and i'm not i don't know if i'm gonna do a challenge for a while guys so this is I'm just letting you guys know that challenge ends tomorrow come on if you guys want it this is Scorch the fears joe you've been amazing scorched the fears we're out let go